Well, good morning. Great to be with you this morning. If you have a Bible, open yours with me to Revelation chapter 11, the 11th chapter, in the very last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation. Last week, we began a very brief two-part series on the literal, physical, future, rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. Now, the reason for a brief two-part series is that after we conclude our series in the Revelation, I want to take us through the book of Daniel. And when we get to Daniel, we'll spend some more time on the temple. Now, the reason for this two-part series can be found in Revelation 11, verses 1 and 2. Notice. Then there was given me a measuring rod like a staff. And someone said, get up and measure the temple of God in the altar and those who worship in it. Leave out the court, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the nations. And they will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months. If we were to read most commentaries on these two verses, we will discover most of Christendom is taught the temple is the church in one way or another. For example, one expositor said the temple is figuratively used for the faithful portion of the church. He distinguishes the faithful from the unfaithful church because you will notice in verse 1, there are those who are worshiping in it. And of course, to him, that would be the faithful portion of the church. Another commentator wrote, the command is given to John to measure the temple of God in verse 1 in order to call attention, now listen, to the size of the church. Another commentator, the outer court signifies a part or location of the church. And then another said, the holy city is the type of, the church. I remember many years ago when I was in Bible college, one of my professors would frequently say, when the good sense makes perfect sense, seek no other sense, otherwise you end up with nonsense. This temple being the church is nonsense. Now, what is the good sense that makes perfect sense? How many have the words, the holy city, in verse 2? Drop down and look at verse 8 for a moment. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which mystically is called Sodom and Egypt. Now here comes a clue where also their Lord was crucified. Jesus was crucified near the holy city, the great city. John says so in Chapter 19 and 20, therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. What holy city was Jesus crucified near? Isaiah 52 and 1, clothe yourself in your strength, O Zion. Clothe yourself in your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Nehemiah 11 and 1, now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, but the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, 
the holy city. Daniel 9 and 16, O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your holy city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. What would you say if I told you that not once, but every time the words, the holy city is used in the Bible, they always want to point us to Jerusalem. The good sense that makes perfect sense tells us this temple is in Jerusalem. Now, when we think of the church, do we think of the church in Jerusalem? Of course not. We think of the, the church in the world. The church has been given a mandate to go to all nations. But here we have one nation in particular, Israel. And this temple is in Jerusalem. Now, there's another clue as to this holy city's location. I would like to direct your attention to the words measuring rod or kalamos. It refers to a reed-like plant that grew in the Jordan Valley uh, to a height of 15 to 20 feet. Now, once again, when you think of the Jordan Valley, are you more inclined to think of Israel or are you more inclined to think of the world? Of course not. You would, you would think of Judah. You would think of Israel. It was a hollow and very lightweight. And, and because these stalks were long and lightweight, they were ideal for use as measuring rods. Everything about this measuring rod in the Bible that measures the temple of God points us to the Jewish people in Jerusalem, in the land of Israel. And one more thing, this future, literal physical, yet-to-be-rebuilt temple in the holy city. Allow me to develop this truth, so keep your fingers in Revelation 11 and turn to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36. I'd like to direct your attention to verse 24 as a starting place. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from, now watch this, from all the lands and bring you into your own land. I place emphasis on all the lands because the Jewish people have gathered and regathered in the past to their homeland, but never until now from all the lands. When did this begin? Well, this global regathering Never before 1948 has Israel had a global regathering from all the lands. Why a, a global regathering from all the lands? Well, let me just say this. The book of Ezekiel has one regathering with two purposes. And both purposes have to do with the Jewish people, not the church. And both purposes have to do with the Jewish people during the tribulation a time for which the church will escape. And one more thing, the rebuilt temple. Purpose number one, look at verses 25 through 28. Why is God going to regather them from all the lands? I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. Now watch this and put a new spirit within you. 
and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my commandment, my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers, so you will be my people, and I will be your God. Putting a new spirit within you is part of the promise of the new covenant. It was fulfilled in Acts 2, 4, and 5, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit <clears throat> and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. All these Jews, 3,000 of them, were all filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, why are the verses before us, verses 25 through 28, not to be confused with the day of Pentecost? Context. This is said in the context of what verse 24? They're regathering from all the lands. When the Holy Spirit filled those 3,000 Jewish men on the day of Pentecost, the Jewish people did not regather from all the lands. They were already there. Drop down to verse 33. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places will be rebuilt. When the Holy Spirit filled them on the day of Pentecost, Israel did not need to be rebuilt upon their arrival. But in 1948, Israel was wasteland, desolate, no agriculture, no people. It was inhabited. Remember, in 1867, Mark Twain said he could hardly see a human being. So there's no way to confuse what we're reading here in Ezekiel 36 to have anything to do with the time that the Holy Spirit filled them on the day of Pentecost. This must be speaking of a future time. One regathering with two purposes. And what is the purpose in the verses just read? To save them during the tribulation. Zechariah 13, and I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. That's going to happen when they come from all the lands. Purpose number two. Ezekiel 22 and 21, I will gather you and blow on you with the fire of my wrath, and you will be melted in the midst of it. One reason for this one regathering with two purposes is wrath. And we just read one purpose was to save them. But in Zechariah 13, where one-third is saved, listen to what Zechariah 13 and 8 says. It will come about in all the land, declares the Lord that two parts in it will be cut off and, per and perish. That's Ezekiel 22 and 21. <laughs> now, what does this one regathering with two purposes have to do with the measuring rod? I'm glad you asked. So, so turn to Ezekiel 40 and 5. Ezekiel 40 and 5. <clears throat> and behold... 
There was a wall on the outside of the temple all around, and in the man's hand was a measuring rod of six cubits. Do you know what we need before we can have a rebuilt temple in Ezekiel 40? We need the return of the Jewish people to the land from all the lands to rebuild it in Ezekiel 36. Now do you see why teaching this temple is the church in Revelation 11 is nonsense? Notice Ezekiel's temple has measurements. Do you see in verse 5? Six cubits. By the way, a cubit is 18 inches in length, each of which was a cubit and a handbreadth. So he measured the thickness of the wall, one rod, and the height, one rod. So we have specific measurements related to Ezekiel's temple and this measuring rod. And by the way, the rest of this chapter in great detail introduces us to all the measurements, specific measurements. Now, with that thought in mind, please return with me to Revelation 11. And I want to read Revelation 11 and 1 one more time. Then there was given me a measuring rod like a staff, and someone said, Get up and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it. Notice there is no mention of specific measurements associated to the temple of God and the altar. Now, there's none of this thickness or cubits. Why? Well, the focus in Ezekiel is on the specific measurements. Walls. The focus in verses 1 and 2 is worship. We're not talking about measurements. We're talking about men. We're not talking about walls. We're talking about worship. Remember, this is the midway point. And what do we know from last week's lesson about the midway point? It has a lot to do with who will be worshipped in the temple. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 2, the man of lawlessness is revealed, the the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of Worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. And Daniel tells us when he will do this in the middle of the week, at the midway point. This is a measurement of men. Now, why are these Gentile nations in verse 2 on the outside looking in? This is the rest of the world at the midway point. After half the world was destroyed by plagues and pestilence, wars, living life during the tribulation, no food, nation against nation, man hating each other, the devil and his demons ruling the world. Listen to what was said about the rest of mankind. Revelation 9 and 20, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. Listen so as to not worship demons. It's a measurement not of walls, but worship. It's about who will you worship. 
The rest of mankind chose to worship demons, the devil, the Antichrist. They, they refused to repent. So how are we to interpret verses 1 and 2? Well, verse 1 is introducing us to the believing, worshiping remnant of Israel. The one-third in Zechariah 13. The ones the Spirit was put in in Ezekiel 36. And verse 2, those not to measure, the nations who refuse to repent. Notice again, the end of verse 2, for it has been given to the nations, and they will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months. Matthew and Zechariah speak to us about this. Jesus in Matthew 24 and 9, then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Zechariah 12 and 3, it will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples, all who lift it will be severely injured, and, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. Notice in both Matthew 24 and Zechariah 12, all the nations, all of them. I want us to realize at this point in the tribulation, no one is repenting. Half the world is against Israel. Based on today's numbers, four billion people are still alive and they hate Israel. And do you know why? God loves them. For the outer court, signifying a part of the church is nonsense. How do we know this is Israel and not the church? 1260 days, verse 2. Revelation 12 and 6, then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she, she would be nourished for 1260 days. Who is the woman under the feet of the Gentile nations for 1260 days that God protects for 1260 days? The church? No, Israel. Jesus spoke about this fleeing in Matthew 24 and 16. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. When? When will they flee? Well, the verse prior to Matthew 24 and 16. Matthew 24, 15 and 16. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. When you see the Antichrist in the middle of the week at the midway point, 1260 days, 42 months within the seven-year tribulation, take a seat in the temple to be worshipped, the Jewish believers worshiping in the temple, verse 1, are going to flee because they know he's not the Messiah. They know he is not God. When we arrive to our book series in Daniel, I will prove why the Antichrist must be a Gentile and not a Jew. And, and war breaks out against them in chapter 12. Why? Because these Jewish, this Jewish worshiping remnant filled with the Spirit will not worship a Gentile Messiah. Measuring rod is a measurement of men. Who will you worship? Who will live and who will die? Second Samuel 8 and 2, he defeated Moab and measured them with the, with the rod, making them lie down on the ground. And he measured two lines to put to death and one full line to keep alive. 
God has a measuring rod, and it measures verse 1 from verse 2. His people, Israel, worshiping him in the temple. In verse 2, the nations that hate them and worship the Antichrist. As we wind down these thoughts, I, I should point out this truth would have greatly encouraged John the Apostle who wrote these words. At the time he wrote Revelation, Israel's future looked bleak. A quarter century earlier, the Romans had brutally suppressed the Jewish revolt of A.D. 66 to 70 when they slaughtered over one million Jews, devastating Jerusalem, and they burnt down the temple. Do you know what verse the Apostle Paul would have me read? Do you know what... Do you know what verse of scripture would greatly encourage John? Romans 11 and 2, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. He will preserve them until that future day when the believing remnant of the nation will be saved. To see this, this temple as the church is to throw out all sensibilities. To see this as the church is utter nonsense. The good sense makes perfect sense when we seek no other sense. And the good sense that makes perfect sense is what we're talking about the Jewish people in Jerusalem, not the church in the world. But to say the temple is the church or the outside portion is the outside of the church or the holy city is the church is a classic interpretation committed by people who follow replacement theology. They tell us the church has replaced Israel. Why is it so important that we get it right? Get what right? Well, knowing context, knowing when we're looking at a passage of Scripture that speaks to the church and when a passage of Scripture speaks to Israel, why is it so important that we get it right that God is not through with his people, that he has not rejected the Jewish people? Why? Here's why. The promises of prophecy. The promises of prophecy. If God in his word could say things to Israel for Israel, in other words, promise them things, and, and then break his promise, May I ask, where does that leave us? Where does that leave the church? You know, the church, too, has promises of promise. We're, we're promised things like eternal life in heaven. We're, we're promised this thing called the rapture, which will keep us from the, the tribulation. I could never worship a God who breaks his promises. Do you know what we call a promise breaker? I call that person a liar. Romans 3 and 4, may it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. I want you to know these Bible teachers that teach that the church is the new Israel or the church has replaced Israel or God is through with Israel are bold-faced liars. Don't believe them. Because if God can break his promise to Israel, God can break his promise to you. I leave you with a gospel word. 
Half the world refuses to repent. Half the world will be judged and condemned. The message of the letter of the Revelation to the church, written to the church, written to John, who passed it down to the seven churches, is flee from the wrath to come. Flee from that hour that is about to come upon the whole earth. Repent and believe the gospel today, and you will be saved, and you will be rapture ready, and you will escape this period. Repent. Change your mind. Change your mind about what you believe and how you behave. Change your mind about who is Jesus. Jesus is the eternal Son of God, born of a virgin, led a sinless life, died on a cruel cross, and rose again from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures, and he's coming back again. They refused in Revelation 9 to repent of their behavior. Repentance is not just a call to believe in God. It's a call to behave like God. God is going to be in you to change you, to transform you. The power of the gospel is not just salvation from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin. And this gospel that saves us from the penalty and the power of sin will one day save us from the very presence of sin. I pray today is the day of repentance and salvation for you. May God bless his word.